Good day, Fireside and Fireside friends. And all those that are listening on the podcast or watching online, hey there. My name is Webster and thanks for tuning in. My hope for you today is that you get to see and know the heart of God, to be reminded of his power and and his saving grace from eternal separation as he has done for us and how he will do the same for our loved ones and those we are praying for and for those that are lost and those that are searching. I believe our God wants to instill this hope in each and every heart that hears the sound of my voice. I'm talking about a hope that's rooted in Christ. Jesus, having a confident expectation of what God has promised and a strength relying on his faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pray before we get going. Thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for your word. Lord, the grass withers and the, and the flower fades, but your word is forever. Let your word have its way in our hearts. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, all right, so we're going to start right at 1 Corinthians 6.1. It says that it is in and through Jesus Christ that God has sanctified us, which means he has set us apart. That means like if there was a bunch of fruits, that means he handpicked fruits that he wanted. So he set those apart and we are that. Those that believe in him have been set apart. And that means that um, 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 that we are saints in Jesus' name. Because a saint is any person who is in Christ and whom Christ dwells. Therefore, every follower of Jesus Christ is a saint who has a purpose. Yes, because you believe in Jesus Christ and what he has done um, on the cross and obey his ways, you are a saint. Believe it or not, God has set you apart for a purpose, right? In our minds, we can believe that, but in our hearts, it's like, yeah, I don't know about that, right? It's hard for us to accept that because of how we see ourselves, the lies we tell ourselves due to life experiences, and the ways we allow the world to define us. For God calls those that are not as though they were. God calls us his children, forgiven, loved, accepted, seen, righteous, right? Qualified. Yes, even worth it. Yes, because you are, we are, and more. Because he sees us as a new creation in him, Christ Jesus, Right. Listen to the statement I heard in a sermon a while back. Right. And this says every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Let me say that again. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future in him. Right. And I will break this down, this statement down through one of my favorite, favorite stories of conversion to Christ in the book of Acts. The story of Saul 
Paul. Yes, it's one person. It's two names. Saul is his Hebrew name and Paul is his Greek name. And right. And so um, this is the same Paul, uh, Saul Paul, who wrote the New Testament. And his story is powerful. It shows us how no sinner is too far for God to reach. And every saint is enough to be used by God. In this book, we'll find the kingdom of God spreading like wildfire. After Jesus died on the cross, then resurrected from the grave and ascended to heaven, his disciples who became apostles were called to the great commission of proclaiming the gospel of eternal salvation, the good news. Right, Proclaiming this gospel literally set a fire in their soul and spirit. It confirmed that Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, is the Son of God who conquered death and reigns as Lord of all, who saves his people from their sins. See, there is power in the name of Jesus. In the book of Acts, you read that the Jews and the Gentiles, who are the rest of the world, fall in love with the name Jesus, or hate and despise that name, or just didn't care for it. Nothing has changed today. You see people either accepting Jesus or rejecting the name. Today, we're going to talk about Saul's experience along the Damascus Road, a man feared by the early church, but who will soon become one of his greatest, greatest leaders. I will be referring um, out of Acts 9, 1 through 20, and I'll be paraphrasing through and reading some of it, but yeah, we're going we're gonna to get through it. So uh, let's, get, let's get started, right? Um, it starts off with Saul breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest out into the synagogues to get a letter um, so that he can go and arrest men and women who believed in Jesus. They were called the way back then um, to buy them and take them from Damascus to Jerusalem and, and, and imprison them, right? Saul was really no joke back then. He was a devout Jew with Roman citizenship, which means he had special privileges on both sides of the world, right? The Jewish world and the Greek world. He was, he was from a city called Tarsus, an affluent city where you find the Ivy League education. He was an intellectual, studied under this top dog Pharisee in that time named Gamaliel. Um, you had to be specially picked to study under him. And Saul was that. And Saul, Paul, was a cocky dude. He wrote in Philippians 3, uh, he writes about himself, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have the more right? This is how he starts. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. Basically, he's saying right from birth, I was chosen by God to be part of this special group. Uh, he was from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, a Hebrew of Hebrews. This is where the king, the first king of Israel came from, whose name was also Saul. And then in regards to the law, he was a Pharisee which meant that he spent most of his time studying and memorizing the law. Um, and, and, and as for zeal, 
he was persecuting the church. He had so much passion for the law that he was persecuting the church. And the way he was persecuting was that he was a, he approved the first Christian martyr of Stephen the Apostle. He was going around everywhere to destroy the church of God. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them in prison. And that's for righteousness. Based on the law, he said he was faultless. He said that basically what he was saying, that he followed all 600 plus laws to the T. Man, if he did that, man, we have issues with just Christians trying to follow 10 laws. And this dude saying that he he did 600 plus uh, laws to the T. Come on now, right? Let's go back to Acts. As, As he was traveling, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord says, I'm Jesus, who you are persecuting. It is hard for you to fight against me. You see this? If anyone is against you, they are against Jesus. Jesus is showing us that he's got our backs. So how was Saul fighting against God? Saul was going against God's will. He was going against his plan, the ushering in of his kingdom in this world by trying to put his Christian men and women into prison. He was trying to get in the way of that. And now verse six through eight, so Saul scared and amazed said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Basically, God was saying, get in the corner and I will get to you when I get to you, (laughs) right? So Paul was shook, unable to drink and, and eat for three days. Scary thing becoming instantly blind. See, pride goes before destruction and a cocky spirit before a fall. We see a man who thought he was all that in a bag of chips, be humbled in an instant, down on his knees, calling out, who are you, Lord? Not knowing it was Jesus, it was out of respect of something greater than himself. Saul needed his men to walk him by the hand to Damascus because he was blinded. Shoot, he was like a puppy with a tail between his legs. What a rude awakening. What an experience on the road to Damascus. This conversion was divinely appointed. You see, God had a purpose for Saul. Saul's actions was not a surprise to God. Just like our own actions, previous of knowing God, God um, um, was not surprised to our actions. But still, God pursued him as God still pursues us. Yes, while we're messed up, broken, confused, lost, he still chose us. He still sets us apart to be with him with purpose, no matter no matter how unqualified we feel. Why? Because every sinner has a future in him. If you went back to your younger self, Would you ever thought that Jesus could save you or use you? I'm a lost cause. Why would you want me? Because you have a future in God. And God knows how to get our attention like he did with Saul. 
See, Saul needed to, to be brought down from his high horse, that he, had, he can recognize the power of God, so that he can know God in a way that transformed him to be the apostle for the Gentiles, for the world. How did God get your attention? In verse 10, while Saul is waiting in Damascus for his next instruction, God was speaking with Ananias, a believer, and told him to go see Paul and pray with him so that he may see again. Verse 13, Ananias says, but Lord, I heard about this dude Saul doing terrible things to your believers, then coming here to Damascus to arrest us, and you want me to go see him? Verse 15, but the Lord said, go. Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well to the people um, um, in Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. See, God does not discriminate. He will use anyone for his purpose. Each and every one of us saints are sinners saved by grace. We all have been set apart. We all have been chosen to fit in the body of Christ to fulfill God's purpose. Because God is, is saying to us, we have a future in him. How many of us have, have a loved one or, or someone we know that we often think that there is no way God can get their attention, that they will never believe in Jesus? We see here in Jesus that there is hope. God can save our loved ones like he saved Saul, Paul. We need to know or we need to keep sowing the seed of godly love. Continue praying for them. Keep letting them know who God is in our lives. What God has saved us from. What God has delivered us from. You know, like what our loved ones did for us. I mean, who else prayed for us, right? We need to let people know how God was in the storm with us, strengthening us, encouraging us through it all. Shoot, we need to speak truth in our loved one's life, even if we, if the storm was caused by our own doing, right? We need to turn to him, Christ, and confess our sins to him. Because if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And that is a promise. Why? Because every saint has a past. We all have, we all have a God story. We need to let people know our story. How can others know the power of God if they don't hear what God has done in our life or the life of a believer? How can anyone be saved from their sin and pain if they don't hear the gospel, the good news on how the power of God rescued us from our old life and our old ways? We need to stand in faith and speak. We need to go as the Lord said to Ananias, go, go and proclaim to and pray for them that don't know Christ, that are lost and that are searching for what they don't know. Because God can show up and will show out in their lives. 
Why? Because every saint has a past and every sinner has a future in Jesus' name. Let's not allow our past or our mistakes, regrets or our hurts, guilt or shame, anger or bitterness, and lies we tell ourselves stop us from going to pray for someone or testifying to someone or letting them know that Jesus loves them. You see, the enemy will use our past to try to stifle our our testimony or, or our availability for God's use. Like the enemy tried to use Saul's past to stop Ananias to go and pray for him. But God says, go, because God is going to use Saul's past for his glory, right? We have the New Testament for that, right? Most of those letters were written because of his past. So he is telling us to go, because God will use our past for his glory, huh? See, Paul writes in one of his letters to the church in Corinth, chapter 2, Um, three to five, it says, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Man, So when we speak on what God is doing or what what he has done or how he has strengthened us through hard times, how he encourages us through dark times, how he has been through us all times, it's the spirit of God that empowers those words to instill hope in one's life. Glory to God. Uh, Get back into it. Verse 17 through 20. Saul, after Ananias prayed for him, the scales fell off his eyes. Saul believed, got baptized by the, by the Holy Spirit, and immediately started preaching about Jesus everywhere. Saul proclaims, he is indeed the son of God. He is the son of God. Come on now. We can be that Ananias in someone's life, huh? Coming and pray for them. Coming and show them who Christ is in our life so they can proclaim that Jesus is the son of God. It's not about our ability, but our availability availability, right? No, I'm just kidding. It's not about our ability, but our availability. Be willing to go. Be willing to step out. We do not need to know everything about the Bible or be a scholar or gone to seminary school. We just need to be available. It may be scary. You may not be a great uh, uh, great at speaking. You may not be outspoken, but trust the Spirit of God will empower your words in that person's heart. Remember, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has prepared for us that we should walk in them. It's like him setting us at setting up a table for us so we can come sit. It's already set up. We just need to walk up to it. We know what God has done in our lives. Let's start there, my friend. You'll be amazed how relatable you will be to that person that God has placed before you. I remember when I first believed in Jesus, I was in a church that was extremely conservative and very vocal about everybody's sin. 
They would go out street preaching. And this was my first time going out with them now, right? Uh, I'm a shy dude, and now I'm going out to tell people about Jesus. I was like, eh, I'll just be back in the background chilling, right? But, but, but what I was hearing coming out of these Christians' mouths did not make sense to me. I mean, they were yelling at people, calling people sinners. Y'all going to hell. If you're gay, you're not welcome. You're gothic. Y'all people need to repent. They was yelling a lot more than that. But man, it, it didn't make sense to me. I'm like, dang, how is this inviting anybody to accept Jesus? <laughs> it's not. How does this reflect the love of God? It doesn't. After they moved on to their next victims, actually Tara and I, we fell back and we started telling people what Jesus has done for us in our lives. How he helped us see that we needed him in our lives. I had some, I had some prison time hanging over my head, but God still loved me. That Tara didn't feel enough for anybody, but she was all God needed just the way she was. There was a crowd around around us wanting to listen. We told them that Jesus died for us all and rose from the grave to show us that he is God and death couldn't hold him down. So anything in our lives does not scare God and he wants to be part of their lives. He wants them to know that they matter to him, that God wants to have a relationship with them. That was a scary time for both of us. We both are hardcore introverts. We didn't know much about the Bible or God, but only what we experienced in him. That was truth for us. Allowing ourselves to be used by God was powerful because we were relatable. We remembered where we came from, where God brought us from, and that we have only been saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2 8 through 10 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. See, we were not condemning them with truth, but showing that we care. Because no one cares what you know until they know that you care. All these people opened up to us. Some even became emotional, wanting to know more about this Jesus. This is the good news. You see, acting out in the flesh, this is argumentative, condescending, and just straight mean, using the gospel to hurt and degrade people. That's not of God. Does truth hurt? Yes, truth hurts. But truth should be convicting by the power of the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit allows a person to look within, reflect, you know, light being shown into darkness. The Spirit of God does the work in one's heart. He does the work. What we do is we sow seeds and water them. It's not easy. It really isn't. It's not always easy. Where some of your friends or family surprised you became a believer, were they upset or were they happy? Or did they give you a, hey, a boy, good for you. Right? Saul dealt with this also. People couldn't believe that Saul became a believer. They thought he was faking, trying to trick them to, to arrest them, right? Infiltrate from the inside. And then on the other end, 
the people in the Jewish faith and the Pharisees, they felt betrayed. Like, dang, Saul, where you, where you at, man? Where you going, dude? Because now Saul's become a believer. He became of the way. They wanted to kill him. <laughs> Some people couldn't let go of his past and others couldn't believe his future. See, people may say this or that about you. They may try to tell lies about you. But remember who has your back and whose you are. For you, you are part of him. For you are part of his body. There is, there is some suffering that we will have to endure in Jesus' name. But like the disciples, count it all joy because we are in Christ. A verse I, I, I held on to as a mission from God for, uh, for me when I returned back to society. Acts 26, 17, 18 says, Yes, I am sending you back to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. Then they will receive the forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. When I told, when I told my friends I'm a Christian, <laughs> some, some said, great, good for you. You found something that works for you, <laughs> right? I'm sure y'all heard this. Uh, and someone was like, oh, so you can't drink anymore? Or you can't do this or that anymore? What's up with that? I told them, nah, man, it's not about that. It's about me accepting God's forgiveness, accepting his grace and mercy, accepting that he loves me and wants to save me from my sins, which is not knowing Jesus. I get the opportunity to know God, the creator of all things, for myself. Yeah, okay, Webb, they said. <laughs> it was kind of right, right over their head, like, all right, okay, whatever you say. <laughs> when you realize that that revelation from the Holy Spirit, that other stuff just doesn't matter, right? The old has passed. The new has come for I am made new. You are made new. We are a new creation in Jesus Christ. You might be thinking, but Webb, most of us did not have a miracle type testimony or a Damascus road experience, a light shining down from us, seeing Jesus or, or, or angels singing hallelujah, right? Family, that's okay. For most of us, it was a decision because we were tired of the way we were living or, or we're in a place where we were down and out or we said the sinner's prayer as a child because of family or friends or just a simple childlike faith. But then as we got older, uh, we, we made the decision because we wanted Christ for ourselves. We heard about this Jesus who is for us because our whole life we felt like an outcast or like we were just not enough or whatever that enough is for you. But in Christ is where our hope comes from. He says, I chose you regardless of your past. In me, in relationship with me, you are not lost but found. 
You are not rejected, but accepted. You are not abandoned, but adopted. You are the son and daughter of the creator of the universe. You belong to him and him to you. So your story does not need to be a mind-blowing experience or have gone to prison or have been a drug addict and then saw the light. Or, or, or what you can actually testify is that Jesus kept you from those things. How close were you to go to prison? How close were you to, to try that drug or started to depend on alcohol or, 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 or you were in the military and God kept you. He kept you from getting pregnant or, or a girlfriend pregnant. He kept you safe from a party where things got out of hand. Kept you from falling into a total depression and despair when times got hard. God kept you from so much. That's your testimony. How God kept you. Yo, that's power. Remember, God equipped you for every good work that he prepared for you. Your story may not be for everybody, but it is for somebody. Come on now. What and where has God brought you from? Looking back. Who were you before Christ? Man, look how far God brought you. He's not done with you yet. He continues to transform you. You're a process. We're all a process. A clay being formed. Come on now. Just imagine how far he will take you. For there is no limit with God in Jesus' name. Yes, it may be discouraging to walk his path because you, you, you have been hurt before or disappointed, but trusting in Christ does not mean the circumstances will always be perfect, but that we can trust he is walking with us on this path. Come on now. For a non-believer, what they are seeing is our lives. That is that no matter what it looks like, no matter what it looks like, we hold on to our Jesus. Right there alone is testimony power, holding on to a God who loves us so much. His will is is to destroy, is to be destroying and conquering the evil thoughts of the past and giving us a victorious future in him, hallelujah. The, the apostle Paul did not have an easy Christian walk. He went through it, but we can learn, but what we can learn is that he still had hope and joy of Christ, no matter the storm or circumstance. Let's not have our past dictate our future or limit us in what God wants to use us for in the church body. Be open to being way better than you imagine in Christ. Man, that is worth saying again. Be open to being way better than you even imagine in Christ. Because the way you live today for Christ can sow seeds in one's soul. Trust God that he is doing the transforming work in all of our hearts in the name of Jesus. Why do we have hope in his faithfulness? Why? 
Why do we have hope in his faithfulness? It's because he is not through with us yet. And he has not given up on our loved ones. For we all have a past, but no God will use it for his glory, for others to enter a new future in him. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. That's power. This power, what is going on in our lives when we trust him. Mm. I'm going to end that right there. I'm going to end that right there. Yeah, yeah. God is good. God is good. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, thank you. Lord God, thank you for this time. Thank you by your grace and your mercy that we know you, Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is revealed and made real in our lives. Thank you that we are new in you, my Lord, and that you do not hold our past against us. Instead, you use it for your power and glory, for the world to see that you love us unconditionally. Jesus, help us get out of our minds of self-sabotage, regrets, hurts, disappointments, and help us give it to you. Trade it in for your truth in our lives that we are worthy, that we are seen, we are yours. We are not alone when we are in you. Forgive us, Lord, when we forget this. And we pray to remind us, Lord, to remind us constantly that you intentionally chose us to be with you, to be part of your kingdom. Heaven on earth shed light in the dark places, to sow seeds of love, patience, mercy, and grace to the hearts of the lost and those searching for truth. My God, thank you that you are in, in the lives of our loved ones, that you are in the lives that we are praying for, and that you are working, Lord God. Thank you, because we are saints, because we are saints in your kingdom, set apart for your will to do mighty things for your glory in Jesus' name. Have your way, Lord God. We love you and praise you. Thank you. Mm, in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Fireside. Much love.